Well, let's, uh, let's pray once again for just a moment as we prepare to open the word of the Lord together and consider what he has written there. God, we do thank you for your word. And Lord, we pray and ask that you would speak by the truth of your word. Lord, we pray that you would instruct us in this letter. Help us to understand what we should know about you, what we should know about how we should interact with one another. Lord, help us, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Well, if you guys would like to open up your Bibles to the book of Philemon, we are going to be there. And I got to tell you, today is going to be a little bit different than a lot of the other times when we're together. Normally, I'll have lots of verses on the screens and, and we'll look at it that way. But Jordan basically read the entire book for us. So if you want to open your Bibles and just be able to reference that, we're going to be talking about some of the things that that Jordan read and just how we can be thinking through that. But while you're turning there, I want to ask you a question. I want us to think about this for just a moment. What does it mean to forgive? What does it mean to forgive someone else or to be forgiven? I was looking in the Merriam-Webster dictionary and and one of the definitions there says to cease to feel resentment against an offender or to pardon someone. Another um, another definition that they have is to give up resentment of or a claim to requital. To grant relief from payment as in forgiving a debt. You see, when we really get down to it, forgiveness is a whole lot easier to talk about than it is to do. We might apologize by saying, I'm sorry. And I got to tell you, just you could ask Danielle, she'll tell you. Anytime I make a mistake or anytime there's tension or anytime there's the least bit of conflict, the first words that come out of my mouth are, I'm sorry. Am I really repenting? Not necessarily. I'm just sorry there's conflict. I'm sorry that this we're in this mess. And so there have been times, seasons in our 26 years of being married, she said, stop saying I'm sorry. Saying I'm sorry isn't necessarily repentance. And overlooking that is not necessarily forgiveness. So we might say I'm sorry for to make up for a thoughtless word that was spoken or for an action that caused someone emotional or physical pain. But what if you're on the other side of that offense? What if you're the one who's been offended? What if you're the one who's been hurt? And what, what if you're the one who has been hurt time and time again? Can you really forgive someone that you don't think you can trust? Can you forgive someone who has taken so much? Today, as we continue making our way through God's story in Scripture, we're talking about a book that is all about forgiveness. But interestingly, it never mentions the word forgiveness. It's all about reconciliation, and yet doesn't say anything about reconciliation. Doesn't, the word's not there. 
It's all about the gospel, and yet the gospel is not clearly presented word for word. You don't hear Paul or read Paul write about the death, burial, and resurrection or ascension of Jesus Christ, but you see the gospel all over this little letter of Philemon. So, let me give you a little bit of background on this book, on this small letter. The, the letter was written by this guy named Paul, and we know him as one of the, the apostles. He, he wasn't, he wasn't an, an immediate follower of Jesus Christ, but he came along later on, and it was written to a guy named Philemon, a guy who lives in the town of Colossae. And like, most likely, commentators seem to think that Philemon had gone to Ephesus to hear about what was going on, ran into Paul at Ephesus, became a follower of Christ, and went back to his town. In fact, one of Paul's other fellow workers, a man named Epaphras, was sent to Colossae to start a church. Philemon was a part of that church. Now, being wealthy, Philemon most likely had a big house where the church could meet. Being wealthy, he also had several servants, even slaves. Onesimus, the man that Paul is writing this letter on behalf of, is one of his slaves. Now, we think we have, you know, we talked about this before, we have this baggage about slavery. We think it's all racially based. But I want to tell you, I bet Onesimus and Philemon, they looked a lot like each other. It wasn't the race-based slavery that, that has plagued our history. It was just part of everyday common life. In fact, we mentioned last week, there may have been 80, 90% of the population who were considered slaves of someone else. Onesimus was one of those guys. Mark Dever said that he may have been a professional. Doctors or, or lawyers, attorneys were often slaves of some, some patron. He may have just been a simple laborer. We don't know. We don't know much about Onesimus. But what we do know is that he wronged Philemon, likely stealing something. He likely stole, took, took something from Philemon and then ran away. At some point in time, while Onesimus was gone, he met up with Paul, who was in prison in Rome, several hundred miles away. And in that time, he became a follower of Christ. He spent some time with Paul, helping him out, just serving him, meeting his needs, because Paul, he couldn't, couldn't get out and about. But in that culture, it was, it was the community that really provided for the needs of the prisoners. And so Paul and Onesimus had this time together and seemed like at, one, at some point in time during their conversations, Paul said, Onesimus, it's time for you to go home. Go back to your slave. So go back to your master, rather. And so Paul wrote this letter to accompany Onesimus on his return. And in this letter, in some ways, it, it helps us see how we should respond when we've been wronged by someone else. It also helps us see how we should respond when we've wronged someone else. And we get, kind of get a chance to see how we can disciple people on both sides of a wrong through that process. And incidentally, it's, it's, it's interesting, Paul wrote this letter along with the letter to the Colossians and, and one other letter, and they were sent all about the same time. They were received at the same time. So most likely the letter to Colossians was, was read to the church. In fact, that's the only other time Onesimus' name is mentioned is in the book of Colossae. And then Onesimus has this 
letter specifically for Philemon. Now, since Jordan read all of the, basically the entire letter, we're not going to go back and, and work through this, but, but I do want to encourage you to have your Bibles open as, you, as we sort of reflect through what Scripture says here. And we're going to try to look at some practical implications of the book. And, you know, I, I got to tell you, when, when I prepare for messages, I, I, I read a couple specific commentaries. And a lot of times I'll read the Bible Project um, video and I'm working through stuff. And I had an outline on Monday. Monday morning I sat down and I, oh, this will be great. And then as, as I continued to work through the, the process of preparing this, I was like, that outline doesn't work. It doesn't reflect what is here. And so I've, I ran across an outline by Mark Dever when he preached on Philemon. And so we're going to use some of his points. And so in your outlines there, the ones that are in quotes are Mark Dever's. They're not mine. He gets the credit for that. But I want us to begin. So one of the things Mark did is as he was studying this, he said, you know, there's kind of pictures. We get a picture of this person and a picture of this person and what he represents and a picture of that person and what what he represents. So as we go go through this, we're going to look at these pictures or snapshots. And the first one we're going to begin with is a picture of someone needing forgiveness. And that picture is essentially represented by Onesimus, the picture of someone needing forgiveness. See, I got to tell you, repenting and reconciliation may have been the last thing on Onesimus' mind. I think he knew he had wronged Philemon. Running away was one offense. Taking whatever he took was another offense. Staying away was yet another offense. Now Now think about this. Here he is with Paul, hundreds of miles away from Colossae. He could have just overlooked the fact. He could have just said, I'm from somewhere else. And never told Paul that he was a slave of Philemon's. And yet it would have eaten him up. But I think that there's this beautiful thing that happened while, while Onesimus was away. He became a follower of Christ. He became a follower of Christ, which means not only is he made right with God, but now he has this obligation to to be right with other people. Now he has this bond with other people. In fact, Paul wrote in the letter, he said, he told Philemon, he said, Onesimus was formerly useless to you. Now think about this. As a slave owner, as an employer, I've got this employee. I have this slave who should be doing some good work for me. And Paul, you're telling me he's useless? And I think what Paul was doing is saying, hey, Philemon, something greater has happened. Onesimus, yeah, he was useful for manual things. He was useful for the little tasks that you had for him. But now he's useful for kingdom work. Philemon, I want you to see this in a bigger way. We don't know exactly what, we don't have the privilege of knowing exactly what led Paul and Onesimus to to the conclusion to have him return. And I can only imagine that it was filled with some big, important, and difficult conversations. And however those conversations happened, Paul and Onesimus were now at the point where Onesimus was ready to seek forgiveness and he needed it he needed forgiveness and i hope you can see the 
the impact and the power of the cross. You see, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, being forgiven by him, just like Jordan and the boys were talking about, everything changes. We don't earn our salvation by what we do, but what we do should reflect that we have been saved. And that includes being at peace with one another. Our outlook is different. Our values are different. Our view of human relationships and responsibility changes. See, on his own, Onesimus may have thought, I'm okay. I don't have to go back. But guided by the Word of God, guided by his mentor, Paul, he could see the value of peace and reconciliation. As you guys know, we have been supporting Eric and Lynn Bass and their work in, in another country. And one of the things they shared with me, you know, when people from a, a Muslim background become followers of Christ, there's a great deal of danger that they find themselves in. There have been times when um, one spouse would come to faith, but the other wouldn't. And so Eric and Lynn shared with us on a couple different occasions that there was a, a woman who had been separated from her husband. And then she became a follower of Christ. Now she's at odds with her husband in an even bigger way. And yet as she read through Scripture, as she processed through that, as she saw the value of what the Bible was saying, she sought reconciliation with her husband and came back. And has watched God provide. It's not an easy trans, transition. And, and for them, it was, I'm sure for this, for this woman, it was extremely difficult. For Onesimus, going back was probably extremely stressful. If you've ever had to repent for something that you've done to someone else, it is hard. See, Onesimus, he had no guarantee that he would receive forgiveness. He had no guarantee that Philemon would do what Paul was asking him to do. And yet here he was. He could have been put back in prison. Philemon could have relied on his rights and said, no, you're done. Get out. We don't know exactly what happened, but we do know that we get to see another picture so Paul has painted one picture of someone needing forgiveness. Now he's painting another picture of someone with an opportunity to forgive, and that is Philemon. You know, we mentioned before that Philemon was likely wealthy because he had slaves and servants. Because he hosted a church in his house, he may have demonstrated some sort of spiritual maturity. But whether he was spiritually mature or not, he was still offended by what Onesimus did to him. He was wronged. And now that Onesimus was returning with this letter from Paul, he had a choice before him. He could forgive. He could respond. On the other hand, he could respond according to his own rights. Which as Americans, we love to go back to our rights. Right? It would have meant punishment of some sort for Onesimus. And I think it's natural for us to feel this way. He could have responded, You are my slave. I'm going to punish you. This is it. Or he could do what Paul was asking him to. He could forgive. 
which seems to be what Paul is getting at, even though he never says the word forgive in the letter. But here's the challenge with forgiveness. Now think about this. If you're Philemon, if I forgive, if you forgive Onesimus, does that mean you're rewarding his bad behavior? Is that what forgiveness does? Does he get off scot-free? There are many times, I think, when we are faced with the same kinds of opportunities to, to rest in our rights and hope that that person who offended us gets what they deserve or to do the mature thing, the biblical thing, the godly thing, and forgive. It might not be a theft or abandonment like Philemon experienced from Onesimus, but there are any number of other offenses. Offenses that we can rack up. Offenses that we can mark down and hold against someone else for a really long time. How will we respond? You may have heard this in the news, but in September of 2018, a Dallas police officer named Amber Geiger mistakenly entered the wrong apartment. She had just come off of a very long shift. She was exhausted, accidentally went to the floor above hers, opened the door. It was unlocked, I guess. Saw a man sitting on the couch that she thought was hers. And out of fear, she still had her uniform on. She had her sidearm on. She shot and killed this man. His name was Bothan Jean. She called, quickly called 911 and said, oh my goodness, I've shot this person. I'm in the wrong. I, I, this was a mistake. A year later, she was convicted of murder. It wasn't a first degree offense. It was something less. She's now serving something like a 10 year sentence. But I got to tell you. Botham had a brother who took the stand during Amber's trial. And he, he, he wanted to testify. He wanted to say some things at this trial. And he told her, he took the stand, he said, Amber, you have hurt us deeply. He said, what you've taken away, nobody can ever get back. You have, in many ways, destroyed what we knew about life. But he said, Amber, I don't wish you any ill will. I don't want you to be in some cold, cold and dark place for eternity. And then he, he said, Amber, I hope that you cry out to God and seek his forgiveness because he will forgive you. He said, that's what both of them would have wanted. That's what my brother would have wanted. He would want you to come to God and seek his forgiveness. And then Botham's brother said the extremely bold thing, not only saying that, well, God will forgive you. But then he said, Amber, I forgive you. I want you to feel the weight of that. Amber, I forgive you. you. You killed my brother a year ago. I forgive you. 
he asked the judge right after he said those words. He said, Judge, can I give her a hug? And he stepped down off the stand and walked briskly over to where she was and she met him in the middle. And if you've ever seen this video, it's a powerful picture. We're not going to show it, but there's a powerful picture online of them embracing in the courtroom. You hear her sobs of relief knowing that she is free from that disconnect, from that resentment. That is forgiveness. That is forgiveness. She still has to do her time because she's been convicted in a court of law. But for Amber and and the victim's brother, there is peace. Because he did what every Christian should do. Because Christ has done that for us. You see, Paul asked Philemon, he said, Philemon, receive Onesimus as you would receive me. Receive him as you would receive me. I mean, think about how big of an ask that is for Paul to say, take this guy that he took from you, he escaped from you, he did all these things and abandoned you, but receive him as you would receive me. This respected man of God. So I got to ask you, who do we need to forgive? Who do we need to forgive? Who, who do we need to go to and say, I forgive you? Yeah, what you did hurts. What you did was wrong. What you did, I'm still paying for in my own grief. But I forgive you. What forgiveness opportunities is God placing before us like he placed before Philemon? You see, so often, Steve and I were talking about this a little earlier, so often when we're offended... We want to rant about it online. We want to tell all our friends about it. We want to do all these other things. And then we want to just sit seething in that bitterness. Someone told me a long time ago that when we're bitter, when we hold on to bitterness, it's like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. It doesn't work that way. But there's one more picture we need to see. We've seen a picture of someone who needs forgiveness. We've seen a picture of someone who had an opportunity to forgive. And then finally, we get to see a picture of someone who encourages forgiveness, and that is Paul. You see, Paul had the privilege of knowing both of these men. And he could see their strengths and weaknesses. He may have been able to see the things that both of these men needed for spiritual maturity. But instead of nitpicking, instead of saying, oh, you need to do this. Paul focused on the big picture of partnership. In fact, there's a phrase that you see in Philemon several different times. And that is this phrase partnership. He sees Philemon, Paul sees Philemon as a fellow partner in the ministry. Sure, he's hosting a church in his house, but but they're working together. And the Greek word there is this word koinonia. It's this connection and this joint work. 
This is a joint ministry, and he appeals to Philemon in this regard. He appeals to Philemon to take a bigger picture of what's going on. Don't just look at how this impacts you. I think he acknowledged. Paul knows that that this hurt Philemon. So he appeals to Philemon to take a bigger view and put his personal needs aside and focus on the mutual ministry partnership. And there are times when I think we can be so focused on our own needs, on our own ministries, that we fail to take into account the broader things, the bigger things, the things that God is doing. What benefit can God have if we forgive this person? What benefit can happen there? But not only does Paul communicate something about this bigger picture, but then he takes it on himself and he takes personal responsibility. Paul did nothing wrong in this situation. It was Onesimus' fault. And yet Paul is willing to take on whatever debt Onesimus owes Philemon. He's willing to ask Philemon. He said, count that sin against me instead of Onesimus. But also, Paul is looking for a personal benefit. He's hopeful that Philemon will receive and forgive Onesimus and expressing that he, that Paul, would receive a a benefit, a, a refreshment at that news. He seems to know what this will do for Philemon and not to mention Onesimus, but Paul is encouraged and, and Paul is hoping that he will be encouraged by the news. In fact, then he goes on and says later on in his letter, prepare a room for me. I'm going to come visit you, Lord willing, in a little while. But I think there's that similar understanding, that similar opportunity that God places before some of us. We, we have those opportunities to, to minister someone who has, who has offended someone else. We have that opportunity to guide them and instruct them in something, to help them move forward in that reconciliation process. We also often have times to help others. So the question becomes, how do we respond when someone comes to us and says, I've been offended by this person. I have been hurt. Do we sit down and kind of wallow in it with them? Oh, have a big pity party? I know you guys can't see me over there, sorry. Or do we seek to help them walk through that? Do we help them make progress? The issues of forgiveness can become, can be some of the most difficult and challenging. They represent pain, real pain, that has been felt. And it's especially difficult to forgive when the person you need to forgive isn't asking for forgiveness. A few years ago, I was in a, in a situation like that where I knew my actions were going to have an impact in other people's lives, and I knew I needed to work with some people who had hurt me. And they didn't feel like they did anything wrong. I don't know that I totally handled it right. But time and time again, I said, God, help me forgive them. Help me forgive them. Help me forgive them. And it, I, I, it took time. So, was Onesimus forgiven? I don't know. I hope so. 
Guess we'll find out someday when we graduate to eternity. Hey, Philemon, good to see you. How to go with Onesimus? I mean, it's a cliffhanger, right? We get to the end of the book. It's like, and we only see their names written one other time in the book that was sent along with this one. So there, we don't we don't know. Did Philemon obey what God was asking of him? We don't know. Did Paul ever go to Philemon's house? We don't know. We don't get to know what happened between Onesimus and Philemon. But we do get to learn from their situation. We get to learn from how Paul guided them through this process. It's clear that Onesimus was wrong. It's clear that Philemon had this opportunity to forgive. It's clear that Paul was helping them through this process. But I think there's one other thing here in the book of Philemon that we get to see. And that is seeing the gospel through the lens of Philemon. Seeing the gospel through the lens of Philemon. You see, Paul doesn't mention the cross or or Jesus' sacrifice in this letter, but he beautifully models it. Look at what what we kind of have to see. You see, first of all, we've wronged God and we stand in need of forgiveness. We have to recognize that as human beings, we have this sin problem. And it is a barrier. It is an obstacle between us and God. And like Onesimus, we are slaves to our sin and we are indebted in our sin beyond our ability to pay. Our sin is an affront to God and it needs to be paid for and reconciled. And yet Jesus has an opportunity to forgive and he stands ready to do so. He has an opportunity to forgive on on our behalf. And, And just like Paul was willing to take on himself the debt that Onesimus owed Philemon, Jesus has already taken on our debt, a debt that he didn't owe, but a debt that we can can be forgiven of by faith. He stands ready to forgive and willing to reunite us with God. And I think beautifully, the Holy Spirit is leading us to God. He's leading us in that process. You see, we have the Word of God as this guide giving us understanding, and it's the Spirit of God that is drawing us to His forgiveness. Much like this letter written to Philemon is is sort of a hope that Paul had of, hey, why don't you come and forgive Onesimus? So the question I have for for you is, will you respond? Will you recognize your need of forgiveness? Will you recognize that Jesus stands ready to forgive? And will you respond to what the Holy Spirit is calling you to? Receive His forgiveness. And here's the beautiful thing. You'll get to stand before God for eternity, knowing that your sins have been forgiven and atoned for. You get that joy of knowing that there is now no more disconnect between you and God. So if you've never responded to the call of the gospel, the call of the Holy Spirit. Maybe today is the day that you do that. Maybe today is the day that you pray a prayer that 
Just it says something like, God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know I've wronged you. I know I've dishonored you in how I live. But I also know that Jesus Christ, you died on the cross to pay my debt. And I receive by faith your free gift. Come and let today the day be the let today be the day of salvation. Let today be the day of reconciliation between you and God. And if you don't understand what that is, I'd love to talk to you after church or sometime this week. We can open up Scripture, and I'd love to help you understand that. But for those of you who are already brothers and sisters in Christ, you've already been reconciled to God, I've got to tell you, I've got to ask you, is there someone that you've offended and that you need to repent to. Is there someone on the other side that you need to forgive? Is there someone you need to go to and say, I welcome you as a brother or sister in Christ. I forgive you. Is there someone that you need to help in that process as God put you in a place like Paul was to help bring two people together. It's not easy. Forgiveness is not easy. But imagine what would happen if we would bark less on Twitter and Facebook, Instagram, and if we as men and women of God would recognize what God has done for us and would be people of forgiveness. Oh, what peace there would be in our relationships, in our friendships. Oh, what peace there would be in our homes. It won't make everything right and people are still going to be stupid and they're still going to say things that are, that are dumb. I know, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say stupid. People will always offend us. Are we going to forgive? Or are we going to be bitter about it? I pray that we would act like Jesus would. Let's pray. God, we do thank you for your word. Thank you for this, this letter, the pictures that it paints for us. Lord, thank you for helping us see the need that we have of being forgiven, first of all by you, but also by others that we have offended. God, thank you for helping us see the opportunity that we have to be men and women of forgiveness. God, help us, I pray, to do the difficult thing, to forgive when we've been offended against. We ask this in your holy name. Amen. Amen.